Hello, I'm really glad you're with us today. I know many of us are familiar with the game Charades, and it's frankly not my favorite game because I'm not much of a pantomime artist. But here are the rules of Charades. Players divide into two teams. Each team produces or is given a secret word to be guessed by the other team, and you do pantomime. You can't talk, but you try to get the word across or the phrase across. And the better you are at acting, the better you do in the game. And this is the way it is in some families. The better you are at pretending, the better you get along in the family. God's goal for families is to encourage one another our growth toward maturity. Scripture defines maturity as godliness. In other words, you live your life and you have a God-referenced view of how you should live, and that turns out to be the best life possible for you. This is God's ideal for Christ followers. To help each other grow, we must avoid pretense at all costs. When we pretend, we are limited in the encouragement we can bring because we aren't sure what's really going on with the other person who's pretending. And we're not quite sure of how to bring the encouragement or help them with what they need. This is especially true for families, and it's easy to start keeping secrets If you can't trust what people are going to do with how you're really feeling or what's really going on with you. My brother and sister were much older than myself, 15 years older, who's my brother, and my sister 12 years older. And so I was actually my sister's live baby doll that she played with, but... Since I was so much younger than my brother, he he didn't always take me seriously. I think I understand now. It was more difficult for him to take me seriously. This could make me hesitant to share what's really going on with me because he might make fun of it. This hasn't done too much damage in my relationship with my brother but it's the kind of thing that could bring a lot of damage with it. There is core guidance in Scripture for us to be an encouragement to one another in families in specific ways. For husbands and wives, we're to encourage one another by sacrificial love and showing respect and honor to one another, and that's what helps us to flourish. For parents, the command is to raise kids to be godly through the training and instruction of the Lord. For siblings, it's just apparent in Scripture that we should be an encouragement for each other as we aim to grow in our walk with God and our understanding of Him. It's the same for extended family, for friends, for co-workers. We aim to encourage one another 
in ways that are going to help us, each of us, grow and develop. Growth happens best without pretense. God's ideal is for families to be real. We're all tempted to make ourselves look better than we are by fudging a little or holding back the whole truth because we're afraid of ridicule or what people are going to do with that truth. We need to stop this kind of thing because of the damage it does. Ephesians 4.25 shows why we need to stop pretending. Therefore, putting away, having put away falsehood, let each of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. God's ideal is to speak the truth because this is how we grow in godliness. And one of the reasons is we're connected to each other. As I mentioned last week, we commit to living by certain relational values at CIV when you become a member of the church. We call them heart attitudes. Heart attitude number two, I talked about one last week. Heart attitude number two is to live an honest and open life before others. We we aim to be appropriately honest, which means that what people see on our outside matches what's going on in here on the inside. And you don't need to gush and spill your guts all the time and be completely transparent and share too much information. But we need to discreetly let people we trust know what's really going on with us so that we can receive the encouragement that we need. That's that's really important. The goal is not being totally transparent, but open and honest in an appropriate way, and that really helps. The passage answers the question, why do we speak the truth? Why should we? The reason is we are members of one another, like parts of a body. If your arm is hurting and refuses to send the right signal to from your brain to start the process of healing in your arm or doesn't send a signal at all, that's not going to help. You're just going to be wounded. And the healing process, which is amazing, by the way, that God has built into our bodies, um, that healing process isn't going to begin. In the same way, if we're going to encourage one another to grow and develop and get past ourselves and get past the hurts that we're dealing with, uh, if we're going to help in family and in church life, we must know what's really going on with each other. Of course, the closer to your heart the truth about what's going on with you is the more trust that's going to be required for you to open up. And we need to do this wisely. But therefore, what this means is we need a certain kind of atmosphere in order to open up 
and be honest with one another, with our family, with our friends, or fellow church members. And if you back up to verse 15 in Ephesians 4, you see the atmosphere that encourages honesty. Ephesians 4.15, rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. If there is no doubt about love for one another in your family, then your kids and your spouse can be honest and not fear ridicule. This is why the passage says, speaking the truth in love. The way the Greek is written, truth is like a verb here. Truthing. We, we truth in love. And the, the phrase in love is speaking about a sphere, an atmosphere. So the truth is spoken in love and in families where that is the atmosphere, where love is the atmosphere, then you you can open up and be honest without fearing what's going to happen with it. You know that everyone else is going to have your best interests at heart. And in that atmosphere of love, there is no need to make ourselves look better than we are because we're accepted for who we are. This atmosphere provides the environment where kids and adults and all members of the family, in other words, grow up in godliness. It is essential that we overcome our bent to pretend and live the truth. This is the way we grow in godliness. The opposite of truthing in love is faking togetherness which is characteristic of dysfunctional families. In plain language, dysfunctional families don't work. They they aren't able to function well. And I'd like to give a definition of dysfunction right now, and it helps us to identify when our family isn't working well. Modern psychology defines a dysfunctional family as one that fails to adapt to the stresses of life. And and this is helpful, and it makes sense. However, it, it stops short of the Bible's ability to cut to the heart of the matter. And I've asked Nathan Lewis again, and he's we're planning to include him in each of these uh, messages in this series, uh, he's a longtime member of our congregation. I've asked Nathan to uh, share some insights with us. Uh, he, he's, he's going to do that, and particularly about dysfunctional families. Nathan is the director of the graduate program in counseling ministry at California Baptist University. He has been a real encouragement to me and many CIV families over the years. So I'm going to ask Nathan some questions that bring clarity on the issues of faking togetherness. Nathan, I really appreciate 
your help in this message and in the series and actually all the conversation that we had before we I even wrote this series. That's been a real help. Um, but I'd, I'd like, if you could, to help us get some clarity on how you would define dysfunction in family life. Well, the, the uh, technical or psychological definition of dysfunction is really that the family is, um, is the way that they're relating is working. So that, hence the word function. So it really is kind of a mechanistic definition where it's just not working for them, particularly as it relates to adapting to life and, and, um, things that are necessary for family life. And so it's just not working. But the biblical definition is, is more specific. And, uh, I, I define dysfunctional as really ungodly patterns of relating with each other. They're just not, they're not treating each other rightly. And that results in all kinds of patterns that are, that are really harmful. Not only do they not, not only do they keep them from, from doing things that need to be done, but people are, people are actually hurt in the long run. Yeah. Well, that's helpful. How how would you describe some of the patterns that families develop in order to fake togetherness? Hmm. Well, faking togetherness actually there's 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 a there's a term that actually means that and that pseudo mutuality. <laughs> so that's a psychological <clears throat> term, but it means fake together. So that's a that's a real thing that those who work hmm. with families recognize is a is a common thing but basically what that means is that they they act like what is true is not true and what is not true is true and um so if there's something going on that's not good then they don't want to admit that so they're not there's there's not an openness and honesty and uh people take on different different roles in that and so over time, they develop patterns that um, keep them um, uh, uh, ha- having a particular place in the family. Mm-hmm. So they start playing games with each other. They begin. Uh, so nobody's allowed to talk about what's really going on. And that's why it's called <laughs> faking together, because they present to others. Uh-huh. That they have it together when they don't, and they act like with themselves that they have it together when they don't. So there's not a willingness to talk about what's wrong, yeah. what is really going on. And even though the, that, that somebody wants to do that, uh, they're being mistreated or somebody else is being mistreated, and they don't want to talk about that. At the very least, it creates a culture where um, uh, people aren't really allowed to, to grow, but they start... Um, they start approaching family life uh, more selfishly mm-hmm. rather than working together. And uh, it creates what family therapists call this family dance. Uh-huh. So where everybody is, is um, dancing according to 
you know, the way that this particular family operates. So an example of that is when, when an adult child uh, comes over for Thanksgiving, you know, they're not living at home anymore and they come home for Thanksgiving and dad meets them at the door one at a time and, and stops them and, and says, Hey, Hey, glad you're here, but mom's not in a good mood. She's in the kitchen. She's cooking. And we don't want to upset her. So instead of confronting what's really going on, everybody's encouraged to pretend as if what's true is not true and what's not true is true. Does that make sense? Yes, it it does. Perfect sense, yeah. So that's that's helpful to understand. Uh, What is the damage done long-term in families that pretend by faking togetherness? Well they're, well, they're not. They're, they're, they start thinking of ways and coming up with strategies to get what each member does to get what they want. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that they do is they start creating, particularly siblings, will create this alliance with each other. Um, and then even so that so that they can kind of get someone on their side, if you will. And so they're honest with their siblings, but they're not honest with their parents. Mm-hmm. Where they're honest, they start with what's called triangling. Uh-huh. So because they can't clear things up with someone else in the family, then they look elsewhere and they start bringing other people in on it who who they can be honest with, but they can't be honest with the family members. Yeah, yeah. And so that, that starts uh, building a, not, not only a, a wall or a barrier between them and family members, but it also um, uh, uh, keeps them, they start building resentment over time uh-huh. that they can't just be themselves and be accepted the way they are. And uh-huh. open it. So they're play, they end up playing games, all kinds <clears throat> of games. They might even form coalitions. Coalitions <clears throat> is when there's an alliance that is <clears throat> against another family member. Oh. So, and over time, what that does is it just, it erodes the trust in the family. Mm-hmm. People are pretentious and they, they perform. Uh-huh. And a lot of times when kids grow up in that kind of an environment, um, either they, the kids rebel or they go to the other extreme and perform mm-hmm. and then they get to a certain age where they're tired of doing that. Yeah. And the parents find out the truth, and then they wonder where all that came from, yeah. and you know, then then they're in a crisis and don't know what to do. So, seems like things begin to unravel at that point yes. <laughs> as, mm. as they each go their own yeah. ways. And it could yeah. start earlier, you know, with kids they start acting out. Yeah. And one of the things that that family therapists understand is that. Um, it, it, quite often when a, when a child is acting out or mm. is doing something they shouldn't be doing, that that's actually uh, in response to what's going on in the family. Mm. And it's really hard for the family. Mm. That's where the family dance comes in. It's really uh, hard for them to admit yeah. that this is happening because there's something that they're experiencing in the family. So rather than look at the family, they... They present this child to somebody else who can fix them. 
Yeah. But the family therapist will probably look at the family and say, well, wait a minute, let's look at what's going on here. Yeah. Yeah. So That's great. That is very helpful. I appreciate it. You're sharing with us. Well, today, you're, wor- you're welcome. Have a lot more to say about that. <laughs> I'm sure you do. <laughs> I think do. that gives them a pretty good picture of, of that. Anyway. Good. Well, thank you, sir. You're welcome. So as you can see, a family that plays the game of faking togetherness has a false peace that's hollow. Playing charades in family life is not good because it dwarfs our development in godliness. Thankfully, God has given us some directions in his word, the Bible, to avoid playing games in family life. There is a way to keep seeing the truth about ourselves. To be real, we're to keep looking into the mirror God's given us. God's word, the Bible, is a mirror for our lives. Last week, we saw how Jesus told us that people who hear his words and build their house on them will be able to withstand the storms of life, which is a metaphor for stresses. In other words, God's word is key for becoming a more fully functioning Family, a stronger family who can withstand all the stresses of life. Now, no family is perfect. We know that. But a family is blessed when they know and do God's word. There is real value in following Jesus for everyone, obviously, but also for families. In Ephesians, parents are instructed to raise their kids in the training and instruction of the Lord. In Deuteronomy, back toward the beginning of the Bible, God's people are commanded to love God with all their heart, with all their soul, and with all their mind, to have his commandments on their heart, to know them well, to be immersed in them, and to fill family conversations with his commandments. This gives family perspective from someone, actually the most important someone that exists in the entire world and universe and beyond, God himself. It gives perspective from outside of the family and guides us. It's so easy to get buried in family dynamics and not see a way out under the the strain of them. So we need outside perspective from someone who can be objective. And God has done that for me time and time again through the Bible. So many times I have read the scripture and God has spoken clearly to me about something that's going on in my life, something I need to change. Maybe it's a bad attitude or I've been harsh or selfish or stubborn. And God spoke the very correction to me through the scriptures that I needed to get back on track. Here's how this is described in James 1, 22 through 25. Do not deceive yourselves by just listening to his word. Instead, Put it into practice. 
If you listen to the word but do not put it into practice, you are like people who look in a mirror and see themselves as they are. They take a good look at themselves and then go away and at once forget what they look like. But if you look closely into the perfect law that sets people free and keep on paying attention to it and do not simply listen and then forget it, but put it into practice, you will be blessed by God in what you do. The blessing is comes from the doing. That mirrors what Jesus said. The goal of parents and all Christ followers is to keep seeing the truth about themselves by getting into the Word of God, the Bible, and then lead their families to do the same. Respond to what you see in the mirror by putting God's Word into practice. This is important. This is how we become more and more real with ourselves and with others. We we become genuine, authentic people who are more of ourselves by putting the Word of God into practice. Christ-following parents should lead their children to love God and look in the mirror to change according to God's guidance in His Word, the Bible. As you keep seeking to live the truth, you get more and more real, and you grow in godliness over time. If the family is faking togetherness, it does a tremendous amount of damage. You never deal with what's really going on in relationships, which is disheartening. You never experience the joy of being accepted for who you really are. Because you're always pretending. You always feel like you have to put on a fake front. The pretense is emotionally exhausting. So I want to encourage you to walk away from pretense. Stop doing it. Charades is an okay game to play with family and friends, but it's destructive when it's a part of the family dynamics. I want to encourage you to take some steps to be real based on what God said to you this morning. If like a mirror, God has shown you some things that you need to change, ask the Lord for his help to do it. If you do not simply listen to God's word, but you put it into practice, you will find God's blessing in doing what he said to you. And your family will be blessed by the changes. As I wrap up today, I want to encourage you to take some next steps like I always do. Uh, these are steps of obedience in response to hearing God's word, looking in the mirror of God's word, and putting it into practice. So I'd like to encourage you to look at the connection card that's available on online and you'll find these next steps on it. Here they are. My next step today is to commit to getting into God's Word daily to see the truth about myself. Second step, ask God to help me see the truth about myself and the way I'm relating to my family through His Word. 
there's an extra handout that's available to you online. I'd encourage you to download it, print it out, put it on the fridge. It has sermon reminders, a family challenge, and some family fun activity to do. We hope this encourages you, this extra handout and this whole message. I, I hope it encourages you to put the message into practice, which is where the blessing is found. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you so much for the truth that you, you've given us in Scripture. And I ask you, God, for the strength to put it into practice. That's where the blessing is. And so I ask for your help to remind us and to encourage us to do what pleases you and to put your word into practice and so that we can be a blessing to our family so that we can find the blessing in the doing. That's where it is. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I ask for this help. Amen.